Welcome to the X-Men Task Podcast, the Spider-Man years. My name is Willie Simpson. My name is Sonia Rappaport. Sonia, we are in Season 5 of the Spider-Man animated series, the 64th episode overall, the penultimate episode of the entire series, Secret Wars Chapter 4, an episode entitled, I Really, Really Hate Clones. Mm-hmm. Kind of a funny little title as we hurtle towards the incredibly exciting finish of this classic series, would you not agree? I would agree, especially since you and I have been talking about clones on the past few episodes with, like, transporters and all kinds of related clone content. So yeah, that's... here we are. Spider-Man is also facing the reality of clones. Giving you a reason to perhaps <laughs> distrust clones or perhaps embrace them, too. I think it's I think the episode is fair to clones, despite the whimsical title. Mm-hmm. Um, the title is actually a quote from one of the characters in the episode, which we'll get to. But, uh, wow, I I remembered the last two episodes of Spider-Man the Animated Series being really great, but I didn't remember them being this good. Uh, at the end of this episode, I, I just wanted to watch the next one immediately. It's a shame that we had to put a break on ourselves just to do the podcast. I feel like anyone who's watching the show in the modern age, especially in the world of streaming... There's no way they would take a break after watching this episode. They'd immediately go into the next one. That's all right. You can, you can watch it next. Yeah, yeah. So if you're at home, <laughs> you could finish off the series right away. You'll just have to wait a week for our extended commentary as we wrap the series up. But I just... I, I, it's just... This episode is so impressive. It's so multi-layered. Uh, it's quite a spectacle. It's It's so exciting. And it's just, again... What a shame that the series ends after this final little mini arc on the show, right? Mm, it's really cool, this last little bit. I mean, this episode, basically, it got to Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse 20 years or so before that movie ever came out. Um, I know they'd done stuff like this in the comics before with the multiple Spider-Men for multiple dimensions. Uh, and they'd continue to do stuff like this after, but this is just really... It's one of the earliest and greatest examples of a live action of the live action kind of mayhem you could have in the Marvel universe when you cross dimensions throughout all the stops and really dive deep into the character of Spider-Man and what it's capable of and all the surrounding characters. Um, I, I'm a little disorganized with my thoughts because it's just I have nothing but effusive praise for this one, and I'm assuming when we get to the next one next week, it's going to be even worse when it comes to trying to figure out what to say about the show. Um, but really, uh, you know, the first things I'll have to say is kudos to John Semper. He is the creative mastermind behind the series, the executive producer. He wrote the most episodes. You see his name on top of the writing credits for most episodes. Uh, he really he did an amazing job with this show. And and kudos too to uh, the voice behind Spider-Man, Christopher Daniel Christopher Daniel Barnes. I want to try to get his name correctly uh, because this is really his. Uh, greatest performance in the show's history and he really sells it he he does a great job and i think he'll be appropriately rewarded uh in the next episode but we don't want to jump too far ahead just yet um sonia what were your thoughts diving into this episode i knew that uh the multiverse was going to come into play here i didn't remember that it was this late in the series but i really loved the movie where they tackled this content um so, yeah, this was, like, a really fun episode to watch, and it gives you a little more insight into the Beyonder and Madam Web and what they've been up to. So, yeah, overall, really fun. I'm excited for next week's episode, too, but uh, 
Let's talk about this one first, shall we? Yeah. Um, a few more things, just some general stuff. Like, What's great about this episode and the finale that's upcoming is that it really pays off a lot of stuff they set up over five seasons. Mm. A lot of mysteries are explained, character arcs uh, fully explored, and it puts a lot of the Secret Wars content into a better context. You know, when we were breaking down some of the Secret Wars episodes, we thought they were good, but they're really... It has to be judged... It's like a it's like a five part movie more or less. Well, not a five part movie. One movie split into five parts. Mm. So the fact that you know, like the first episode that sets up the Secret Wars, there's a lot of doofy stuff we talked about. Be it like the Beyonder not knowing the difference between good and evil, and some other like weird plot holes. None of that really matters because <laughs> the, the real way to view the show. In, is to just watch the five right. episodes consecutively and yeah. then you don't have time to stop and criticize the way that we did. Exactly. Yeah, and the that's way, true. And the themes, the greater themes really like spill out in a very satisfying way. Right. So the Beyonder in the beginning of this episode beams Spider-Man back uh, onto Earth after all his adventures in the Secret Wars. Well, we presume it to be Earth. We presume it to be Earth. It looks like New York City. Spider-Man climbs up a street pole and discovers that he's on Fifth Avenue. But everything around him is in absolute chaos. Everything's burning. Uh, he's b- really upset about what's happened to his city while he's been away all this time. I mean, the city is a total hellscape. It's completely on fire, destroyed. And then he he rightfully thinks about Aunt May. And he, in a panicked uh, fit of web-slinging, he sort of like gets to uh, a high vantage point and he, take, he ganders a look at Queen's. And sees that Queens 2 is also laid in ruins. Right. The Beyonder pops up in a little portal and, and says, you know, Aunt May no longer exists in this world. And Spider-Man becomes indignant. He says, what? Who's responsible for all this? <laughs> and the Beyonder just says, you are Spider-Man. You're responsible <laughs> for the devastation. And so, you know, what's fun about this moment for me is... Uh, just you know this is a pretty common comic book trope theme um and not to diminish it in any way uh because it's all presented wonderfully and it's very satisfying this episode but the idea that uh in the alternate reality where the hero has failed and you get to sort of like uh revel in the wake of the hero's failure and see where it all went wrong Mm -hmm. uh you know it's a classic theme of fiction as well you see it in stuff like it's a wonderful life um but I'm sure it goes back well beyond that, too, in, in all sorts of fiction and history. But uh, the thing that it reminded me most of in a, a very sort of contemporaneous way um, is the end of the Arkham Knight series of video games with Batman. So uh, people who've played that game know what I'm talking about, where the whole thing is that Batman's been poisoned by the Hobgoblin, and it's... It's sort of like giving him this insane personality of the Joker somehow. And the the threat is if Batman doesn't cure himself in time, that he'll the Joker will take over his mind and imagine the Joker in the body of Batman with Batman's resources. So towards the end of that game, you get to see like what would happen if it all went to hell. And Gotham City's on fire. You know, Bruce Wayne as Joker-fied Batman uses his insane Batmobile to blow up uh, the city and kill everybody, kill all his enemies, kill good people, kill bad people. He's like a, a completely rampaging, nonstop, insane murderer. And watching this episode, I was like, wow, I wonder... 
it's so close to what the end of that Batman video game is that I can't. It probably just is a coincidence because, like I said, the, the, similar themes have ran throughout fiction, especially comic book fiction, throughout the years. That it's just likely that it's just a common trope, but still, it is extremely close to the end of that Batman video game, hmm. which was an epic game in its own right too. So, I mean, that was my first thought here as Spider-Man is, is you know, sort of wandering around the destroyed ruins of New York and it, it's all his fault, or at least a version of... Supposedly. Right, yeah. yeah. At that moment, his spider sense starts going off and the Green Goblin and Hobgoblin are there. <laughs> it's hard to say, right? <laughs> flying around together on their little flying wing things, just destroying the city. And they, they make for a menacing pair. I like seeing them together. I think it's so cool. Yeah. It, it doesn't happen that often. Usually you get one or the other. Right. But... I think they were together. There might have been a one episode in the yeah. series where they saw each other yeah. fought a little bit. They're a little matching team of goblins. And so, yeah, right. They're they're destroying the city, laying waste to it with their pumpkin bombs, just being absolutely like insane murderous lunatics. But it, it does raise a lot of questions like where are the other superheroes? Where's the army? You know? For, yeah. Like, I, I mean... Well, they answer that one, like, pretty soon here. Uh, they do? Yeah, we see um, J. Jonah Jameson broadcasting live uh, from the Daily Bugle building. Right. And he's announcing, Spider-Man's siege on the city continues, and uh, we're hoping that someone in the city sees this so that the National Guard can get to us safely. And I, I, get, I mean, I guess, like, if this was a real-world scenario, which is it's stupid to even try to compare it that the the main focus would be an evacuation of the city of, of as many innocent people as well, possible. Well, the goblins then, like, come in and they say, like, there's no one left in the city. Like, we killed them all or they ran away. No one's coming to save you, Jonah. Yeah. So. I guess. But uh, the, but forget about the army. Uh, you would do wonder where the other superheroes are. There's so many of them. Yes, that's true. I mean. The, <laughs> any all Spider-Man's friends. You know, I know that, it's like. Spider-Man and his amazing friends. I know that, like, a combination of Carnage and the Green Goblin and Hobgoblin would be a lot for any hero to handle or any superhero team, but they could handle them, you know? They Well, they would at least come in and help, but... Help? I mean, they would fight. Like, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I mean, the Avengers, uh, the Fantastic Four, the X-Men, there's, there's no shortage of heroes well, that would come in and be able to, like, at least figure out a way to slow down. They all just fought the Secret Wars. They're back to whatever they were doing in, in their timeline uh, in see, the now world. you're now, now you're mentioning some potential plot holes that i don't know if exactly are worth exploring like did the beyond so basically the beyonder he recruited spider-man for the secret wars to see which spider-man of multiple dimensions would be the best to lead a group of spider-man to save the universe mm -hmm. and so now you're asking like when he removed the spider-man and they all picked the heroes from their dimension did that also remove the heroes from the timeline of which when all the bad stuff was happening like, and if so, then it's the Beyonder's fault for not leaving a protective force behind. But, but that, that, according that, to the Beyonder, he had foreseen this all happening, and there was no way for him to prevent it. Right. I, and also, it's not like... Spider-Man took a lot of heroes. He didn't take all the heroes uh -huh. in each reality. So... I think and he, I, I, I don't think he took a, to... He didn't take a Spider-Man from... Oh, yeah, he did. I guess he took Ben Riley from this reality to fight in a version of Secret Wars 2. I think that 
interdimensionality should go into the category with time travel. Just you can't think too hard about it. Yeah, I mean, you could make the excuse and say that maybe in this dimension there are no other major Marvel superheroes. It's only Spider-Man or only was Spider-Man. It's hard to really accept that, but, you know. Well... Like, maybe there is no Iron Man in the in this version of reality, and there is no Captain America or x-men okay anyway he has no help right so uh, <laughs> the green goblin hobgoblin are come into the broadcasting station and they demand that um jj gives them access to the broadcasting tower right that's so like jj's next door. left one of the few people left with robbie robertson in the city from a sort of not destroyed bugle building but run down and he's still doing emergency broadcasts. He has led the crusade against Spider-Man. All his worst fears have come true. And he's sort of like the last vagabond uh, trying to get information out to the people about it. They get him to agree that he's going to help them. And then they just drop Robbie out the window. They're like, all right, we don't need you. And luckily, Spider-Man is there. He catches Robbie and, and saves him. But as soon as they land on the ground, Robbie tries to punch him. And Spider-Man just kind of gets out of the way. He's like, hey, like, what's going on here? <laughs> uh, and Robbie reveals to him that Spider-Man has been the one terrorizing the city. He gives him enough expositional dialogue to make it all make sense. And luckily, they don't belabor this point too much. Right. There's a little bit back and forth when Spider-Man goes to rescue J.J., but by that point, Spider-Man thankfully gets it, and we're not, he's not like forever else. confused. Right. There's we're another just... Spider-Man or someone masquerading as Spider-Man. Right. And the other thing is, good thing the villains realize it as well, too. So Spider-Man goes to fight the goblins, and they're like, oh, our boss warned us there'd be another Spider-Man. I guess you're it. A goblin doesn't fall for the same trick twice. <laughs> it's good to have the Green Goblin back. He's so funny. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, they So anyway, they kidnap JJ, or I guess they just make him make good on his word. It, this part is a little creepy with the goblins. They're like, the bombs they're throwing are not the usual pumpkin bombs in this scene. Did you catch that? Yeah. They so, look like doll heads. Yeah, they, they got one bomb that's like a doll head. There's a lot of Joker vibes here with these characters. Yeah, between the voice and the... Yeah, well, Mark Hamill's back as at least a hobgoblin. Yeah, creepy. Um, they yeah. So, yeah, he's got a doll that he rips the head off, and it's a big explosive. Right, and they completely obliterate the Daily Bugle and building. Yeah, and Spider-Man's escape here is really awesome animation. In a show that doesn't have the best animation, it's, there's a lot of exciting, well-animated stuff. So the building's exploding. Spider-Man leaps down, like, doing, like, a high dive off a diving board into the elevator shaft. It's exploding behind him. He's doing his best web-slinging to escape just at the last second as the whole building is exploding and being leveled to the ground. So, uh, like, it's a very thrilling episode. Yeah. Very well-paced with its action and very satis satisfying sort of action violence going on. Mm -hmm. You see him emerge again through a manhole cover, so... And again, like, I, and I don't mean to pick fights with people who like the DCEU, uh... It makes me think of Man of Steel, how, like, half of the city of Metropolis is destroyed with that fight between Superman and General Zod. And um, it's like, this is how you do a version, a satisfying version of comic books where you want to destroy the city. It has to be something where the hero can eventually make it all right like it never happened. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Not just, like, live in the destruction and say, oh, that sucked. Deal with the tragedy right, of deal all with those the grim, millions of people dead. Right, deal with the grim darkness. Like, you could do all that, like, insanely terrifying 
uh, destruction, but just have give like in the case of Superman, give him a chance to fix it all somehow. Mm-hmm. And which I, I I really thought like Man of Steel, someone's got to go in there and edit it. Like I think you could do this as a fan edit at the end of the movie. Yeah, have him de- you know destroy half Metropolis in this horrible like 9-11 times a thousand fight with General Zod. But then all Superman has to do once he kills General Zod is fly up into the sky and spin the earth backwards a million times like he did in the original Superman movie and actually spin it to a time before General Zod even got to Earth and before Lois Lane discovered a secret. And and he'd have to live with the fact of, you know, of, you know like the great power he has and what he did. And it would be a nice like little satisfying callback. And then you would think like, okay, Superman's like a good guy. Like nobody got hurt in the end. And he doesn't age anyway, so it's not like it would present any kind of problems. I mean, he would only and... be age- like turning the Earth back a few months. Like I don't know yeah. exactly what the timeline of Man of Steel was, but I just think that would have been the perfect fix for that movie where you could have had everything that happened in that movie, but Superman like gets to really save the day as opposed to like living in the, the rubble of of his poor choices of fighting right. in an urban Everything's space. Everything's just absolved at the end. Right, yeah. And he then he could go work at the Daily Planet and it's not stupid because nobody knows who Clark Kent is, nobody knows who Superman is, and he could just right. be like, all right, now... It's a fresh I, start. Right, fresh start. Like, all right, I learned a lesson there, Superman, that I should be a little more careful with, uh, like, you, my body flying through an urban space and smashing into stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um... I don't know. Maybe that could still happen in the if this if that's how the Snyder Cut ends and the, the new Snyder Cut, where Superman at the end of that movie is like, "All right, this has been a really grim, sad couple of years here. No one is happy. I'm just gonna fly and spin the world backwards towards when things were like happier." I think like I don't know that that's actually a secretly satisfying, powerful message for the world right now. It'd be a good sort of a contemporary message if if only Superman could be right here and just spin the world back a few years so we could get a redo. And what's going on? That's not hopeful. That can't happen in the real world. I, well, it's but it's what my fantasy is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. A little wish fulfillment. Right. Yeah. Way. A little wish fulfillment. Like just like if someone could just go in and spin the world backwards and and just like sort of fix a few mistakes here and there, we might be in a, a little less in the the worst timeline that we seem to be uh, inhabiting at the present moment. Mm. All right, but where were we in this episode? <laughs> I got grim. Well, you know, um, oh, so, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, you know, spin a positive light on things. So the goblins bring JJ up to the broadcasting tower. They get him to use his handprint so that they can access it, and then they just throw him off the roof. Luckily, Spider-Man catches him again and just lowers him safely to the street, and then he goes <laughs> up onto the roof to start a fight with them. Basically, so he encounters uh, what do they call him? spider carnage right yeah spider spider carnage up there and he's like what the heck is this he has my voice even though it sounds like carnage's voice you know that like so again christopher daniel barnes doing an amazing job in this episode playing multiple spider-man roles and Um, this this spider carnage is pretty like he's awesomely animated he's he's pretty vicious mm -hmm. and uh he's just looks great like his costume is is evil and gross and Spider-Man-y. This is like a, a part Spider-Man, part Carnage, part Venom with his mouth is kind of venomized. Yeah. And uh, he's got a lot of power. I mean, he's basically got the power of Carnage with the genius intellect of Peter Parker, too, which we can't forget. Right. And Carnage is a really powerful enemy. 
I know. I, I, we've talked about it in the Venom Carnage episodes how scared I always was for Spider-Man as a kid reading those comics about Venom. Mm-hmm. I just could never understand how Spider-Man could even beat Venom or Carnage Right. whenever I'd see him. He just seemed so overpowered because they had Venom and Carnage essentially have the powers of Spider-Man but way Plus. steroided up, right? And that kind of comes to pass here on the roof also. Spider-Man yeah. doesn't really beat him. He like He's fights beaten. back for a little while, but... In the end, the Beyonder has to, like, portal him off the roof into his, like, other interdimensional space with Madam Web. He gets to go to the neutral zone here. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So Madam Web's there, the Beyonder, and then we get to see... Spider-Man meets... How many other Spider-Man are there? There's five more that they bring in. Okay, and this is a lot of fun. So this is, like, again, it's been... People have written articles about it in recent years because of how big of a hit Into the Spider-Verse was. But this is the first, like, version of Into the Spider-Verse in a sort of... It's animated, but, you know, Into the Spider-Verse was also animated. So this is the first animated version of Into the Spider-Verse we get, and it's really good. Um, You get one Spider-Man that's got the arms of Dr. Octopus. So he just basically, this Spider-Man basically seems like regular Peter Parker. All he says about the Dr. Octopus arms are, I just came off a mission fighting him, and I picked this up along the way. So it's, it's not... hard to read into that whether it's sinister or not. Like, did he kill Doc Doc Ock to get the arm? Doesn't seem that way. Like... He seems like one of the good Spider Man. He just yeah. sort of like, oh, I was, I don't know, maybe I got his arms and I was experimenting with it when I got transported to this dimension. Right. So for all we know, he's kind of a regular Peter Parker. There's another one who's a mutated Peter Parker with six arms, right. kind so, of like we've seen Peter go through before. Right. So he's dealing with the mutation disease a little later in his timeline. Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially, again, he's just like a regular Spider-Man. There's also like a super armored Spider-Man with uh, like black and silver, silver um, spider costuming. Yeah, this guy's from the comics. He's uh, way aggressive. He wants to be the leader of everyone. He's like he's like this. He's the successful Spider-Man. He's the the one you see in Into the Spider-Verse at the beginning that dies. That he's a successful multi-billionaire. Right. He reveals later he owns multiple companies. One of them is a security he's basically, systems company or something. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm a multi-billionaire in my dimension. Aren't you, Peter? Like, to, <laughs> you know, I'm calling him Peter Prime, the one that we've been following right. this whole time. Yeah. Even though he's not necessarily the first one, but he's the first one we know. He's kind of so. aggro, alpha dude. Uh, he's basically like Iron Man. I mean, in a way, you might imagine him to be the future Tom Holland version of Spider-Man. Because it's like, essentially, the impression we got from those MCU movies is that Tony Stark left a lot of the technology and resources to that version of Peter Parker. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if he has that, then, yeah, that version of Spider-Man is going to build some more high-tech suits. And that's kind of what this guy is, too. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's one Peter Parker. And then there's another one who... He's a mystery Parker. He says he has no powers. He doesn't know what he's doing here. More on that later. More on that later. That's a surprise. <laughs> we'll talk about it next week. And then the fifth one is uh, actually he named himself Ben Riley. He was a Peter's clone uh, in his dimension. Aunt May passed away, like I guess, somewhat shortly after Uncle Ben. Um, we don't know when. I mean, it's hard to say. Right, we don't know, but anyway, Aunt May has already passed away in his dimension. Making him more unstable. He met the scientist Miles Warren, who we've, we met in the Mary Jane cloning episodes. Right. he's the guy that clones Mary Jane, and if you watch this episode, they give a lot of montage backstory to explain it all. Right, they give you a little recap of that. Which is weird, because they show, in the actual episode where we met the Professor Miles Warren in our prime universe, he does take a bit of Spider-Man's costume he's like oh i could use his dna and right. the implication is like he's gonna clone spider-man but yeah. that's in the prime universe 
But in this, we don't see it happen in in the prime universe. Right, but, but this but... isn't the prime universe, so it's weird because it's close to the prime universe. But right, so in Ben Riley's universe, he's the clone of Peter Parker. But Spider, so like he has all the powers and stuff. He makes himself an outfit so that he can fight crime too. But Spider Man is really pissed. He's... He me- he mentioned that his memories are kind of foggy too. He doesn't really remember everything after the cloning. Right. So he does, he's not sure that. And then he says like I actually. They, I did an experiment, Doc Connors, where it's revealed that I'm actually the real Peter Parker and that the clone is the evil version, which, you know, go. it's kind of funny how they they put that bias right, so on that, clones, that, co- that clones are bad and that the the prime Peter could never be this evil. Yeah, it, uh, I don't know. I'm it's not against weird. it. I think it's just funny. Like, Well, in the trivia uh, from when we were watching this on Amazon Prime, it, or was it was it Hulu or what? No, Amazon Prime. On Amazon Prime, yeah. right. Um, the trivia said that this storyline in the comics was really unpopular, that, yeah. <laughs> like, this cloning business with Ben Riley. So then, like, later on, they revealed that Ben Riley was the real, was the original, and that yeah. Peter Parker in his universe was the clone. And apparently that was a reaction to the un- what, unpopularity of the right. original storyline. And what's great about this episode is they comment on it by the prime Peter saying, oh, this is like a bad comic book. Right. And ben Riley's <laughs> like, you don't know the half of it. Yeah. <laughs> But they do a good job with it here, obviously. And so, you know, this version of Ben Riley, this Ben Riley guy, he's got the blonde hair kind of, it's, again, it's like. It's in- not that he's really blonde. He right. says that he- because Spider-Man was so pissed, Spider-Man in his universe was so pissed at him for becoming the Scarlet Spider, he wanted to differentiate himself and kind of like keep some distance. So he changed his name and dyed his hair blonde. Yeah. And it's like, again, like if you remember into the Spider-Verse, the pro- not the prime Peter, the, the rich billionaire Peter also had blonde hair, the mm. one that dies. Um, so there's like elements that they're mixing around here at these alternate versions of Spider-Mans. It's all good. It doesn't matter like who does what or which is which. <laughs> right. The point is that there's many iterations. And it's fun. Yeah. yeah. And like, you know, because the, the prime Spider-Man mentions like, I've got a giant robot spider that helps me. No, not prime. I'm right. Not prime. The, the Iron Man, Spider-Man. And uh, again, it's like you see that in the Spider-Verse movie, there's like a character that's got a giant spider that she fights in. It's like a little girl. Remember? Yeah, right. So like there's a lot of like mixing of storylines and stuff. It's, it's it's again, it's a lot of fun. Right. So in Ben Riley's universe, Carnage came through some dimensional portal and bonded with Peter Parker in Ben Riley's universe right. because it was Carnage was attracted to Peter's anger. Yeah, uh, it's an interesting little subplot they get into where the Scarlet Spider, he's a good guy. Uh, he's fighting the Kingpin as regular Spider-Man would. Kingpin's invented some sort of interdimensional portal along the lines of Dr. Ohm, who we've seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just your standard Spider-Man mission. But the real Spider-Man comes in with the intention to kill the Ben Riley character. He's not... That's his one sort of act of evil. He's not necessarily there to team up with the Kingpin right away. Um, but it's it's in the course of those events that the Carnage symbiote comes through the dimension and bonds with the the evil Spider-Man. And, you know, his evilness gets not jumped up a notch. Right. So, like, this is all in the way of exposition while they're standing in this interdimensional beyonder space. And Spider-Man Prime is like, all right, so you got problems in your dimension. What does that have to do with the rest of us? Oh, like, yeah. Why are all crazy. us Spider-Men here? And the Beyonder shows them through a portal that uh, Spider Carnage is 
planning to just blow up the whole universe. He's got a time portal of his own, and he's going to destroy every single reality across space and time. And the Beyonder's like, I've seen it happen already. It's it's really cool animation how they show him, you know, set off the device. It magnifies uh, through these dimensional portals, and it, they show Earth blowing up. Turning the Earth turns blood red first, then explodes, and then the local galaxy area blows up, and then it presumably it spreads throughout the entire universe and explodes everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? If that's the intention of this evil Carnage Spider-Man, yet we don't know for sure because he mentions later that his plan is to use the device to control everyone everyone's minds on earth right so it seems like his plan just kind of went wrong we and don't he know. doesn't know that it's it gonna might, happen it but might the be that he's does. just lying to kingpin that could be too yeah he's sneaky and evil yeah um so the beyonder so those are the stakes that the universe is in the balance here right all the dimensions right so the beyonder used all his strength to roll back time and call on all of these different spider-men and bring them to one place so that they can team up and stop this from happening. He, he apparently did the secret wars for all these characters. And Every the, single one of them right. has done a secret war, and the only <laughs> one that proved a successful leader was Spider-Man Prime. Right. So, it, which is a funny little thing, like because the 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 aggro Alpha Spider-Man can't accept this, and that messes up the mission later. He thinks that he should be the leader because his life has been so charmed, and everything always works out for him, and he always wins. Right. Um. But uh, you know, we'll talk more about that later. But um, what I want to say, I like that the stakes were believable, believable enough with the Beyonder, who has all this great power. Mm-hmm. And yeah, to roll back time on like, all the dimensions of the universe to set up this uh, world-saving scenario is actually, it's believable that he can't intercede uh, that much in the fight itself. Because you think like, oh, he's got the powers of a god. Why not just fix everything with the snap of his fingers? But Right. But he has some limits on his powers, apparently. He says Madam Web and him can only stay out of their dimension using lots of like complicated machinery and great effort. Mm-hmm. And they like lose their life force, essentially. So they explain a bit more about Madam Web finally. And it's, it's, it's kind of interesting. It's, it's a, a lot of it's Argle Bargle. But it's enough where I accepted it. I was like, oh, this is this is fun. Right, yeah. Because Mad- right? Madweb is hooked up to these weird steampunk-type devices all the time. Her and, throne of spiderwebs and, and stuff. And her glasses. Yeah. Yeah, so they kind of explain that stuff, what's going on with her. And like I said, it's fun. It's not anything to really get upset about. Right. So uh, they show our Peter Prime winning the Secret Wars in his dimension. With great power comes great responsibility, blah, blah. (laughs) And he agrees to lead the team of other Spider-Men to stop the destruction of all of these dimensions. And it's really awesome to see them all in action. They They all shoot their spider webs at the same time to web sling together. Uh, when they fight together, they shoot a million webs at people. It's just satisfying. All the sound effects are satisfying. <laughs> it, it's cool to see. Um, they kind of shuffle off. The one Spider-Man without powers is kind of shuffled off to the edge of the screen multiple times mm. in this fight and what's going on. Like, I don't know if like he's believably covered at points, but whatever. It is what it is. Meanwhile, the Kingpin and Smythe... Uh, are waiting around in their secret lair at the top of the Chrysler right. building. This is the... This version of Kingpin and Smythe, not the ones we're familiar with. Right. So now yeah. we're in uh, Ben Riley's dimension, right? Right, yeah. So th- his Kingpin and Smythe are waiting around. Spider Carnage and the two goblins come up. And They're a big team. Kingpin, Smythe, the, spi- the Hobgoblin, Green Goblin, and Spider Carnage. Right. They've all teamed up and they're plotting to rule the world. Yeah. 
um, specifically Spider Carnage is the one who's really got the plan, it sounds like. But the Kingpin is suspicious of him. Yeah, I mean, I would be suspicious, too, if I was the Kingpin and the entire city of New York City, I mean, the entire, the entire landscape of New York City was in flames. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that would jive with the Kingpin's greater mission, because the Kingpin is a guy that kind of wants to live in society a little bit. He's not, I don't think he's so removed that he... Yeah, he like wants to keep taking part in local government and going to fancy. It's hard to say with him, like, because he does have grand ambitions to rule the world. That is part of his character. Mm -hmm. So he might not care if one city is destroyed, but it is his home city. It seems like he's more after power than destruction, though. Yeah, it's it's hard to say. I mean, this kingpin's a little more cartoony than you would normally get, but still, I I did have a little bit trouble believing that he'd be okay with the city of New York being nuked, essentially. But even he says, you know, Spider Carnage is a powerful ally, but he's more evil than anyone I've ever encountered, <laughs> yeah. so be careful, Smythe, whatever that means. I don't know. Um, meanwhile, all the Spider-Men just enter through the front door of the Chrysler building, uh, Spider-Man Prime is like, yeah, we can web-sling, but this is what they wouldn't expect. So, yeah, we've learned it's not the Chrysler building uh, in the Spider-Man animated series universe. It's Crime Central. Yes. Yeah. But Forgive we will me. continue to call it the Chrysler building. I mean... I, won't, I, will, I will allow that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, our armored suit alpha Spider-Man has... Um, oh, he... Well, this is the point at which he reveals that he owns all these companies he's a multi-billionaire and he aren't you (laughs) right (laughs) which is a hilarious moment because it just it would i'd you would have to be annoyed if you met an alternate dimension version yourself that was so wildly successful and you're just your typical schlumpy self right (laughs) freelancing for the daily bugle with your photographs yeah i mean just doing i mean just forget about be, be even being peter parker just imagine me and you meeting our alternate dimension successful versions of ourself Uh uh-huh and just them just sort of casually saying like yeah after i became a world famous rock star and had 20 (laughs) multi-platinum selling albums that's when i really got uh, committed to trying to end world hunger right like haven't you done that i put bono "Um." to shame (laughs) (laughs) you're like well i host this podcast every week Yeah, I mean, it's just funny how Peter, you could, they do a great job in that moment of the prime Peter. He expresses a brief moment of existential self-loathing, but quickly moves past it. (laughs) Because it's funny, because, I mean, prime Peter is a super genius on the level of a Tony Stark or Mr. Fantastic. I mean, not quite as smart as those guys, but smart enough. Uh You know, he invents his own web fluid. He's incredibly brilliant. And he's a superhero. He saves lots of people every day. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, it's like just... But his life is... Like, we always talk about the perpetual cloud, rain cloud that falls over his head. Uh He's never able to really deal with that in his universe. Right. That's true. Yeah. So, I guess... Oh, I think that, like, the the success of the the billionaire Spider-Man is explained in a very satisfying way in the next episode. I might be mistaken here, because I haven't watched it head but i think there's a great it it all ties together nicely Hmm. yeah okay looking forward to it yes so i guess the bad guys saw them coming anyway even though they came in through the unexpected front door and the goblins just blast a hole in the wall and come in with like an army of soldiers which again like who would be these soldiers yeah they're just regular human guys the kingpins goons and you're just kind of like i mean at this point i guess they They'd feel compelled to keep working for the Kingpin, but still, their homes must be destroyed. Who knows? <laughs> right, so... Their apartments, their lives that they knew, all their favorite restaurants and yeah. their families. Oh. Like, it's hard to imagine. It's the stormtrooper thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. They're sort of mindless <laughs> automatons more than, like, actual human guys. That that part 
bugged me just ever so slightly, but not enough to really care. So the goblins are blasting their pumpkin bombs all around. Um, the spiders are using their webbing. Uh, I forget who, which one it was. One of the Spider-Men has impact web- webbing, he calls it. Mm. And then like one of the other Spider-Men is like, whoa, that's a great idea. Can't believe I didn't think of that. Yeah. It's just like funny little details between them. It's just fun to see them all jumping around together doing stuff. Yeah, and like webbing things up. Um, the armored... I know the Into the Spider-Verse movie was a big hit. It's successful, and I really enjoyed it, too. I've only seen it twice, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Uh, and it was very satisfying. But I, I kind of do prefer these Spider-Men where they're just slightly different from each other as opposed to wildly different of what we get in that movie. Yeah. Where one guy is like Nicolas Cage noir Spider-Man and then like like we said before, like a teenage uh, Japanese girl is another one. And I think just for the movie they had to create extra contrast for yeah. people who aren't as familiar with I, the nuances of Spider-Man maybe. That's true. Yeah, I mean it, it's better but like I, it is kind of like more fun to get multiple Peter Parker's with slight variations it's just visually it's kind of satisfying and it's also i think it's a little bit more humorous Mm. than when you get like all these incredibly different characters that are just you know for the sake of contrast uh it it works but um and i'm not like i said i'm not putting it down i just i kind of prefer this one a little bit more Mm. okay yeah (laughs) well the armored spider-man decides to gas bomb the hobgoblin but accidentally knocks out uh, one of the other Spider-Men, too. I think he knocks out the Doc Ock one. Yeah, maybe. I'm not quite sure. But the Beyonder, at this point we see the Beyonder says, I'm going to use what little power I have to rescue these Spider-Men so they don't die. Right. Even though it taxes his powers and causes him harm. Right. So, like, one by one, some of the Spider-Men are being eliminated from the main group. They're not dead. They're just going to that interdimensional space with Madam Web and the Beyonder. <laughs> and some of the other Spider-Men, including the Prime one, commented, like, wow, this aggro Spider-Man is... he's a it's a little annoying, isn't he? Yeah, right. It's a bit aggressive. <laughs> uh, they have a little bit of commentary amongst themselves. So, uh, yeah, so the Spider-Men are being sort of, like, eliminated one by one here. Right, and he's one of them, actually. The The Green Goblin uses, like, a paralyzer ray. Yeah. He on... gets taken out of the action at some point. Yeah. Um, the mutated Spider-Man with six arms. He's about like... to take out Spider-Carnage. Yeah, he's doing a great job, but then he he's starts using... mutating yeah, some more. Right, he's using sonic grenade. He has a bag full of sonic grenades, and we know that the Venom symbiote character creature is, you know, his vulnerability is sound. Right. He says, well, only three more sonic grenades in my hands here, and he'll be down for good. And but... after he launches only, like, the first one, yeah. he starts mutating into the man spider. Yeah. So he cannot launch any more sonic grenades, and <laughs> this is And the episode kind of ends here. Um, it's pretty satisfying that the remaining Spider-Men have to deal with the man spider. And, um, you know, like, the the tables have turned against them. It's, like, appropriately cliffhangery enough. Mm-hmm. That... High stakes at the end of this episode. Yeah. Um... And that's kind of how it ends, right? Uh, yeah, to be continued. To be continued with the finale. Um, I, you know, we I think we appropriately expressed our enthusiasm for this episode. I don't know how much more there is to say. It's just kind of a bummer that... I, I thought about maybe we should just do this as, like, do the last two-in-one episode. Mm-hmm. But that would go against the spirit of the podcast. You want to for... stretch it out another week? <laughs> I mean, that's what, we, next time. that's what we've been doing with every single like series we've done on this show where if an episode ends we just say the episode's over we have to do the next one next week i don't know why that i set out upon doing it that way i could have just done the, the phoenix saga as one big episode for instance like do like a movie 
But I, I was like, all right, this is how they came out on TV. This is how we'll do the show. So right. it's just kind of set here, just only because it's. I really, I just want to get the conclusion as quickly as possible, and it's really hard to to go limit watch it yourself. right now. Nobody's stopping you. No, I know, no, but I'm not, <laughs> I, because I, I I've adhered to this. I'm going to wait till next week to watch the end. Oh, so okay. I'm right. gonna I'm not gonna cheat. But um, again, this is like what a what a thrilling uh, near finish to this great series. When you say, I would say, it's like it's hard to even remember what we talked about as we were ending like ending the original X-Men series maybe I have to go back and listen to a few of those episodes I know we had a lot of our uh, fabulous uh, X-Men Tass podcast members on as like a final thank you to them so that they could be on the show like that that kind of buttressed up those last few disappointing episodes yeah that was fun right um, we'd like to do that again more in the future to have um, our group members come back on the show for sure I mean the podcast is not going to end after next week everyone knows um, but I just it's just different. Like the reason I didn't do it um, for this is because um, there's so much to talk about with the Spider-Man show. <laughs> this is it's been way more challenging to do the podcast for this series than it was for X-Men, just because of the fast pace. We've talked about it many times the fast paced nature of the show, the 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 complete like interwoven webs of intrigue that you have to be on top of, you know. That there's just so much exposition to get out that it leaves like less room for like flight of fancy commentary that you could do with X Men because X Men was like more about there's like broader themes of morality ethics, um, a bit more like explorations of Star Trek esque sci fi morality tropes, you know, where you could you could expand a bit more uh, than like the actual sort of like beat by beat stuff that's going on. Where Spider-Man is like a fast-paced soap opera that doesn't let up. Mm. So I always felt like it's it's tough to have a guest in the midst of the Spider-Man um, animated series run just because there's so much like denseness to unpack. So much density to unpack. Um, but in the future, we'll have some people come back. It'll be fun. Sonia, um, do you have any final words in this episode before we transition to a few final words about uh, other stuff we've been watching this week? Um, no, I don't think so. I think we summed it up. Yeah, I agree. Um, is there, have you seen anything interesting this week that's uh, worth recommending? Um, we started watching a Godzilla movie last night from the 1970s. <laughs> I was thoroughly entertained. It was late, so I did fall asleep. But I'm looking forward to finishing it later. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Uh, God, we, so we have HBO Max, uh, yet another streaming service. Um uh, you know, as we said in a few podcasts ago, we're hunkering down with my parents during the coronavirus uh, outbreak. Um, we're not in New York City right now. We're in uh, Maine. Uh, and my parents have HBO, so I was able to set up HBO Max for them. And I, you know, I went through their entire list of movies, and they got a lot of cool stuff. Like, uh, they've got a lot of the Turner Classic movies, which uh, excite me personally. I, I like watching all the old movies. Um, you know, the classics. Yeah, we might have talked about it. Was was that like last year, a couple years ago, we were going through yeah. the uh, AFI Top 100 Films of All Time or whatever they we call it? We saw a good like 67% of them before I kind of... But a lot of my favorite ones were like old ones the that the I really never yeah. considered watching, even like silent films and stuff. Yeah. I always was like, oh, snooze. But it, like when you watch them, you realize why they're on the list. The, they're they're time really capsules. like gripping. Yeah, yeah. they're really good. Um, so here I noticed they had like nearly every Godzilla movie, although that can't be true. I th they have a, like at least like seven or eight of them. And, um, and I've never seen any Godzilla movies. 
and I'm pretty excited. I think the only one I saw was the one that came out in the 90s. With Matthew Broderick. I never even saw that one. Um, you know, the one, I, I do want to see, like, the two newest ones that have been... I think, like, they got, like, average to okay reviews. I don't know how excited people were for them. But I'm kind of excited to see them now, just for the hell of it. I'm excited about the old ones. I like the 70s yeah. one. Yeah, I, yeah we're, we're starting with the old ones, but we didn't start from the very beginning. I think they have the first two Godzilla movies. We, we need to go the back. the 50s. Right. Yeah, we, 54 and 56, right. I think they we were. We started with one in the mid-70s, Godzilla versus Mecha Godzilla. Right. Which, uh, <laughs> we just couldn't resist the robot. Yeah, we couldn't resist the robot. and the little, Sent from outer space. The little plot line, right. They're like, there's the aliens have set like Mecha Godzilla loose on outer space and has to fight Godzilla. And I just like the idea... I love the role of Godzilla in these movies that he's kind of, he's the villain, but he's not really. He turns into a good guy, sort of. He protects the earth in a weird way. and He looks really goofy in this one. Oh, it looks so bad. I mean, it's a guy in a suit. Yeah. And the eyes don't move and the mouth barely moves. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's just fun. He's it, like Puff the Magic Dragon almost. <laughs> he's an angrier Puff the Magic Dragon. <laughs> so we got to finish uh, Godzilla vs. Godzilla tonight. Um you know, uh, I, the, uh, speaking of superhero stuff, though, HBO Max, I was looking forward to this idea. I thought they'd have, like, every DC thing ever on HBO Max, but they don't. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought for sure they'd have the entire Batman animated series. It's not on there. Someone I wrote read somewhere that they might get that later. Um, I, they don't have any Superman movies on there, unless you count Justice League. Um, they don't have all the DC animated films on there yet. But hopefully that catalog gets more robust too, because there's a lot of great DC stuff that would be fun to sort of to watch at any time. Um, you know, it's been a long time since I've seen Superman three, mm. the one where there's like an evil Superman and he gets drunk at a bar. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I have I've only seen that movie one time. That's the one with Richard Pryor, and I just remember I remember being scared of it at the, as a kid. At the very ending, there's some like robot creature like. It's like this old lady who rips her face off, and she's like a robot old lady. And that I remember that giving me some weird, like, panic as a child watching that movie. <laughs> so I never really returned to it as much as the original first two. Um, but I am, uh, I, you know, I, I would like to revisit that movie. Um, I, I, I remember as a kid watching Superman Four: Quest for Peace a lot more, which is like the stupidest of all the Superman movies. Mm. That's the one where he uh, he moves the moon with his bare hands uh, to cause an eclipse on Earth. Um, uh, and then, oh, uh, l- briefly, let's talk about um, the Snyder Cut. We did mention it, how I, I immediately would want it to end <laughs> if I was doing the Willie Simpson Snyder Cut. Mm-hmm. But that's going to come out next year in 2021. I know people are excited. I know um, our our Facebook follower, Adam, is very excited about it. It means a lot to a lot of people. Um, I really don't have much to say about it. Uh, Good thing you mentioned it. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't the biggest fan of Justice League or Batman vs Superman or Man of Steel. It bummed me out. I mean, like, I, I'm all for I, I'm all for a grim, dark take on the DC universe. That isn't an issue with me. It's more that they just I, I can't have a grim, dark take of Superman. That's my problem. I love the Superman character. Uh, the Christopher Reeves version is obviously my favorite. Uh, it's just. I would be happy with the Superman existing in a grim, dark world as long as he's Superman, a symbol of optimism and hope and fixes the world mm-hmm. kind of thing. When he's also grim and dark and sad and brooding, it doesn't work for me. And it kind of ruins the spirit of, of the whole affair. 
Like, I, I get, like, you know, I've also, I'm sure I've complained this podcast, too, about Batman murdering people in those movies, and that's antithetical to my take on Batman. But again, I, I would have accepted that, too, if, if I at least got Superman correct. And I don't think we got the correct version of Superman. And that, that kind of bums me out. So it's like, I'm not too thrilled to see what Zack Snyder uh, has in store with us for his uh, unmolested version of the Justice League movie. But again, like everyone else, I'm going to watch it. You know, it's compelling enough that, like, hell yeah, I'll definitely, like, d- tune in and watch his four-hour cut of Justice League, whatever they end up doing with it. I, it's definitely fascinating as a cultural artifact. So I think it, it has that going for it. And the fact that they're not asking people to, like, go to the movies, assuming there even would be movies at the time, to go watch it again. I think it's it's perfect on a streaming network. And and I think that's, like, a nice place for it. And I'm happy for all the fans of of the Zack Snyder movies that they get a chance to live out this fantasy of um of seeing you know the movie that they thought they were going to get like you know we talk Sonya you and I many times about like fantasy versions of superhero content that never got to exist you know we're always at least I am I'm always pitching my version of like I wish they did this X-Men movie mm-hmm. or I wish they cast this guy or they did it like this I mean my biggest fantasy one in that is like I wish uh that they got to do X-Men 3 correctly with, you know, the proper, a better take on the Phoenix saga. They, they set it up so well at the end of X-Men 2. And then what you get with X-Men 3 is so bad with Brent Ratner that it's just a big shame. Although this fantasy is a bit colored now because Brian Singer turned out to be like a big, like, alleged sexual harassing, molesting asshole. So <laughs> it's like that that fantasy desire has sort of like gone down the tubes as, as time is dragged on here. Um, but still, it's like I'm, I am, with that note, it is like cool for fans to like get like a version of uh, something that they, they dreamed about. Um, so, but that's not going to be till 2021 in a, in a braver new world than the one we have right now, right? Hopefully. Yeah. It'll come faster than you think. Yeah, well, I hope so. 2020 has been quite the slog of misery. Yeah, but it's like, you know, it's basically half done already. It's half done, but it's it's only gotten worse and worse. That's true. Yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, we're not here to to expound on the misery of the world. <laughs> Just follow me on Twitter, at Willie Simpson, and you can see me liking a whole bunch of posts that uh, reflect the said misery. Um, so do that. Uh, join the X-Men Test Podcast Facebook group. I know we've had a lot of new members this week. It's always so much fun to, to, me- to meet new fans and to interact with them. So uh, keep talking to us. Um, uh, keep letting us know how you feel about things. And, and rate review us five stars on iTunes if you can, too. That'd be really nice. So yeah, any final words before we depart yet again? Uh, I hope you all enjoyed the penultimate episode. (laughs) (laughs) You just like saying the word penultimate, don't you? (laughs) We'll see you next time for the ultimate episode. Is that what it is? So it's penultimate, (laughs) then ultimate? Is that how that works? I think so. That's awesome. All right. All right. Good night, everybody. Good night.